successfully is they put up radio towers, radio stations, totally and completely funded and ran by Christians, by ministers, by evangelists. And then what they do, which is genius, they go out onto these islands, because Indonesia is thousands of islands. They go out onto these islands one at a time, and they give away these free radios that only have one station. <laughs> so they go out and they give away these free radios that only have one station, and that one station is their station, and they play music all day long. So they play music from the 50s and the 60s and, and some of the local music there. And then at night, starting at 5 or 6 o'clock at night, they preach. So they do ministry in the evenings. And then they pray, and they get people to call in from all over these islands for salvation. And then like three or four times a year, they host what they call New Believer uh, festivals so they find a location on the island a park or something and they, they announce it they promote it for month for weeks at a time they say come to this if you if you gave your heart to christ through this radio station would you come and and meet with us as new believers and they come they bring them together and they'll have five thousand six thousand seven thousand muslim people show up at these new believer parties and they get baptized and in indonesia what blows my mind about that is in indonesia like, when you, in the Muslim community in Indonesia, I'm sure it's very similar in a lot of Muslim countries. But in Indonesia specifically, you can be killed for converting to Christianity. So these people show up at this event. They can, family members, if they have devout family members. Paulos was raised not by a family member, but an a, a imam who opened up his home to Paulos and said, come in, and, and was raising him. Uh, this imam was raising him as a Muslim, and a friend, when he went to university, a friend found out, and or a friend who was a Christian started evangelizing to him and witnessing to him as a roommate. And he was like, I can't become a Christian. Finally, he went to church. He gave his heart to Christ. When the imam found out, thankfully, he didn't try to harm him. He just quit paying for his college. He said, well, I won't pay for you to go to college anymore. And, and luckily, the, the, the people in that small church paid for his college. Degree. Now he's one of the most prominent uh, evangelists in all of Indonesia, and uh, it's a really neat thing, and, and what blows me away about it is, I, I, obviously, the radio stations aren't cheap endeavors, but the radios are like $5 a radio, so as, as, as these small amounts of money that we put aside, you know, to give to the mission's promise, $20 a month is putting the gospel, literally the gospel, the opportunity for salvation in the hands of four individuals, just $20 a month. You know, and as a church, we faith promised over fifty thousand dollars this year. This tiny church said, "I'm gonna, we're gonna do everything we can in our power to give fifty thousand dollars for the cause of Christ worldwide, here locally and around the world." And uh, it's exciting to be a part of, and it's it's just an awesome, awesome time to be alive. Amen. All right, I'm gonna read out of Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six, and I, I'm kind of I'm merging a couple of messages, but I really feel like this is the direction. I go in the same direction as as the offering, so to speak. It, and what I mean by that is is I want to preach uh, uh, out of the word a message that I believe is is so important to us uh, as a church, but but as as especially as Westerners, as first world Christians. Uh, would you guys do me a favor? Would you all stand up just for a second? I just want to do something fun. Something I just, would you stand up? Now, the Word of God teaches us that there will come a time in which God will speak and He will shake once again. He will shake once again with judgment. And when He shakes us, when He shakes us, it says that the temporal things will fall off. The temporal, the only thing remaining, the only thing remaining will be the eternal things. That He will come, His voice will speak and will shake off the temporal things. 
And the only thing that will be left will be the eternal things. So what I'd like us to do real quick, just shake, just shake, just shake. Just sh- you, could, you could just loosen up. We're in church. We should be excited. Just loosen up. Shake it off a little bit. Shake it off a little bit. <laughs> I think, all right, all right. All right, all right, you can sit down. We got 25 girls away on girls' retreat. Maybe it'd be a little more exciting. I, I don't know. what. They're always screaming and yelling. Is this one okay? It sounds muddy to me. Is it? Is it? Can I grab a different one? This one better? Oh, there you go. Okay. Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 6. Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 6. On another Sabbath he entered. This is uh, speaking of Jesus. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and he was teaching. And there was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find reason to accuse him. But he knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And the man got up, and he came forward. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to destroy it? And after looking around at all of them, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. I underlined in this two things. One, and he got up and he came forward. And the other one, and he did so. Now, I want to point something out that just kind of struck me as I read this verse. You know, on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do work. Now, I want to say something, just speaking from my upbringing in faith and in ministry, right? A lot of times, we, we kind of, we think faith isn't work. When we pray, when we're, we're believing God to do something miraculous, we want God to do something miraculous. We're believing God to do something miraculous. A lot of times, with our belief for that miracle doesn't involve us doing anything except believing for that miracle. Does that make sense? Like it doesn't involve, we're like, I'm believing God for a miracle. What are you doing? I'm believing God for a miracle. What are you doing about it? I'm believing God for a miracle. Now I want to point out something. He was going to heal this guy, and he was worried that the the Pharisees were going to see it as what? Work. Right? They're like, hey, you can't do work on the Sabbath. They were waiting. They wanted to catch him. Doing what? Work. Because guess what? Faith is work. Having a, a, being a believer's work. So what does he say? He says to this man, he got up and he came forward. And then he says, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And he did so. And what does he say? He did so. What does that mean? He did so. The message Bible says it like this. And the man stretched out his hand. And the man stretched out his hand. Jesus didn't stretch out his hand. The man stretched out his hand. At the command of Jesus, the man stretched out his hand. When we look at this, the Bible says, and then his hand was restored. Redemption. Jesus redeemed that which was broken, that which was withered, that which was damaged, that which probably seemed lost. Jesus restored it. When? When first he spoke, and then the man obeyed. Now, we, right, and when I say we, I say, I'm, this is a message for me. I'm going to share it with you this morning. This is a message for me, right, because as a believer, As a pastor, as a child of God, I want, it's hard not to live life and see hurt and see disappointment and see the brokenness and want to see God do something. And a lot of times my prayer life is filled with just that, me believing God to do something, me believing God to do something, me believing God to do something, right? And in this passage, we discover a theme that can be found out through in the the Gospels altogether. 
The word is spoken by Jesus, and the miracle occurs when the person who hears it obeys it. Right? Obeys it. We don't. We wait for God to do the miracle. God, if you would just do this, I'll walk in it. God, if you would just do this, I'll accept it. God, if you would just do this, I'll receive it. God, if you would just do this. Well, the word is filled with things that God's asking us to do. And we're waiting for God to preemptively. His preemptive movement was his speaking. We were like, God, preemptively put money in my account and I will give you money. God, if you would preemptively make my body feel better, just heal this part and I will then do this. If you would just preemptively, I would just do this, right? And in and, and this passage, we find very clear directions here in which he says to man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And the man stretched out his hand, and, and it was healed. It was restored. God spoke. God gave a command. What did God, when we like this, Jesus spoke. We're like, well, that was Jesus speaking. Jesus is the word, John 1.1. 1, 1. Jesus is the word, right? The word is there. You have it. You own it. If you don't, it's in your phone. You can get it in any translation and in any language, right? There's no excuse anymore. Be like, well, I really don't know the word. You can have access to the word at a moment. You can, you don't have to go. Back in the day, I would preach to kids. I'd be like, man, I'm, I really want to do this. I'm really excited. And then, and then God could move, the Holy Spirit move on their heart the next day at school. And then the next week they come and they're like, man, I really feel like God's doing something to me. I really want a Bible. It was six days. Like, I really want a Bible. They come in. And if we didn't have an extra Bible, we'd have to go and get the Bible. Right? How many of you guys remember those days? Like, we'd, we'd go and get a Bible. Like, let's go to the store and buy a Bible. Back then, we didn't, we didn't just order on Amazon, you know, just have it delivered. Amazon Prime the next day, right? Today, would be like, hey, let me see your phone. Let me get you. I'll get you a real Bible. I'm a big believer in the, in the real Bible. So Matt, last year with Summer Masters, I made them all bring in real Bibles. I'm, I'm not saying the phone, phone Bible is not the real Bible. I'm just saying I like having it in my hands. I'll get the real one. But right now, you can have it. The Word of God is His Word. It's Jesus speaking. Right? And he speaks, and they, we, we respond. And we're either responding in obedience or disobedience. I know, this is harsh to hear, but the reality is, you're either for God or you're against God. I know that we would like to have multiple categories. I know that we would like to be like, either God spoke to me, and I, was, I wasn't obedient, but I really wasn't disobedient. Listen, if you weren't obedient, by default, you were disobedient. Well, I was waiting for another time for him. I was, I was hoping... I was, you know, like Gideon, God, I was, you know, I, I had multiple fleeces here, multiple, God just, God spoke. If you didn't obey, if you, if you felt the word of God say to you, do this or don't do this, go there, give, doesn't make a difference. If you didn't obey, by default, you disobeyed, right? Can we all agree on that? Is that hard to hear? But like, by, if you, if you're, if you have children, okay, this is the easiest way to, if you have children and you spoke to your child, and you said, do this. And if they didn't do what you told them to do, and they came back to you, you said, well, I wasn't really disobedient, but I asked you to do that. Yeah, but I, did you do it? No. Yeah, but no. Now, I don't know how it is in your home. My kids, you know, not Jay. Jay doesn't argue. Jay's like, you know, he, he won't say anything, but he won't argue with me. He might roll his eyes at me. Take a real big deep breath. Because now at 16, he's like, this could, if I say, if I, he understands. I think Jay's figured it out. Every sentence I say to my father while we're having this conversation is 25 sentences he adds to the conversation. So if I just sit here and be quiet, this thing's going to be over and I'm going to go back to my room. 
Ben, on the other hand, wants to litigate it. He's like, whoa, hold on a second. How did you word that? How did you frame that? I tell Jay, Ben, I think he needs to be a lawyer. But if we're not obedient, we're disobedient, right? So here we look at it. God spoke, stretch out your hand, right? The man did so. He did according to what God said. He was obedient, right? We want things to be restored. We want redemption in areas of our lives. We want God to do something miraculous. It could be in our homes. It could be in our marriages. It could be with our children. It could be at work. It could be with our careers. It could be with our business. It could be with our purpose. It could be in our own personal walks with Jesus in which we're going, I just haven't felt it. I just, my walk with Jesus just, it isn't where it was. I just feel like there's a distance. And we want there to be a restoration to take place in some area of our life, right? We come to church consistently hoping that something will happen in this area of our life. And the word here points to us and it says, look, Jesus spoke to this man. Spoke to this man on the Sabbath, nonetheless. Here we are on Sunday, on, on the day that we dedicated to God. Here, Jesus spoke to this man and he said, "Get up." he said, come here first. And he got up and he came forward and then he said, Stretch out your hand, and the man did so. And what did God do? He restored his hand. The first thing we need to do to bring restoration to those areas is hear from God. Hear from God. We've got to hear from God. We say, well, I don't hear from God. If you're not reading your word, you're not hearing from God. You've got to read. That's his word. I know that's oversimplification, but it's his word, Right? And, and I, I like to use teenagers as an example because as adults, when I talk about teenagers, you're like, oh, those teenagers. <laughs> but it applies to us. You know? Teenagers all the time be like, well, I'm dating this guy or I'm dating this girl. Or are they a Christian? No, but don't worry. I'm a, they're going to become a Christian. Well, well, my favorite is here at the refuge too. There's something about the refuge. It's, so, it's a family. So much so. That kids will be, they'll start dating somebody, and they don't want to bring them to the refuge. It's like the family. I'm not bringing them. Like, so let me get this straight. You're dating someone. They're not a Christian. They're going to become a Christian, but you're not going to bring them to church? I don't want them to come. I don't want them. I want, it's like we're the freaks, you know. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for them to meet this family. Right? And I'm like, well, you know, well, I feel like God said it was okay. Oh, he didn't. He said in his word not to be unequally yoked. I don't know. How did God say it was okay because he already said it wasn't okay? I don't know how it is in your home, but it don't work that way. If I already said it wasn't okay, I'm not going to change my mind. God is much better at parenting than I am. God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't change. His ways never change, right? And the word of God says one thing. It says, hey, don't be unequally yoked. They say, well, I feel like God told me, no, God did not tell you something that comes. I can tell you something for sure. Right? Take this to the bank, write it down, put it somewhere. I promise you, God will never tell you through his spirit something that contradicts what he already told you in his word. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. He will not tell you something through his spirit, something that contradicts what he already said in his word. So hear from God, one. Number two, be obedient. Be obedient. This is not cool and not popular and not something you want obedience. Be obedient. And being obedient allows. Here he says to the man, stretch out your hand. Right? Now that might seem simple to you, but I don't know. I, I've got a pretty dysfunctional elbow and shoulder. This side of my body is pretty non-functional. 
and it's been that way since I was 13 years old. So at this point, without, you know, at this point, it's, it's been bad longer than it was good. And, uh, and like, I, I think to myself, if my hand had been withered all that time, if it had been withered for that long, and here comes this man, and he says, stretch out your hand, there's an audience, right? There's an audience there. Here, here they are, and not just an audience, the Pharisees. So we're not talking just about the audience. These are the people that have scowled at me forever. They walk these streets, right? These are the people that look at me. These, remember, the Pharisees believed that if you were like that, it was because of sin. So not only do they pity, or not pity him, not only do they scowl at him for being handicapped, they scowl at him because the handicap is sin-related, right? It was sin, like, and here they were standing there, and Jesus says to him, stretch out your hand, right? And to make matters worse, I mean, think about it just for a moment. He says, come up here. So he's like, come up here. Everybody's now looking. Stretch out your hand. Here, his hand had not worked. And he, what does he do but obey? He's obedient. What does that obedience do? He stretched out the hand. He stretched out the hand, and God restored his hand so it was just like the other hand, right? In front of everybody, God did something miraculous. Why? Because of the man's obedience, his willingness to do what God said. Not his willingness to be healed. His willingness to do, his willingness to be healed has probably been there his whole life. He'd probably be one, but he's probably been willing to be healed his whole life. He wasn't healed because he was willing to be healed. He was healed because he was willing to be obedient. He was willing to do what God had said to do, right? Frustration in our lives, frustration as Christians, frustration as people, frustration as men, frustration as women. Frustration exists when our expectation does not match our effort. Right? Frustration exists when our expectation does not match our effort. What do I mean by that? I'll take some simple examples. In a diet. Frustration exists when our expectations don't match our effort. I want to lose 20 pounds by stopping maybe I'm going to eat one less thing a day. Right? Now, I'm, a, I'm the worst dieter you ever met. Because I'll be like, if you tell me there's one thing that I can have that's kind of good, that's all I'll eat and I'll eat in abundance. Like, oh, no, you can still eat this. I'm, I'm the worst. Like, well, you can put cheese on your baked potato. I'll be like, cheese, salt, butter. But I'm eating baked potatoes, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm the worst dieter, right? So frustration happens when? When I, my expectation is I want to lose 20 pounds, right? But my effort to lose 20 pounds doesn't match my expectation, right? And I get frustrated. Why? Because I'm, I have an expectation. I want to lose. Every time I get on the scale, I'm not seeing what I'm expecting to see right? Even though I'm doing something, but it doesn't line up, right? That's, that attitude infiltrates so many areas of our lives. Frustration with our debt. I want to get out of debt. Well, how quickly you want to get out of debt? What's your expectation to get out of debt? And, and, and does your effort to get out of debt match that expectation, right? I want to save. I want to be ready for retirement. Does your effort match your expectation? Even in sports, so you take up a, ha a, 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 a hobby, golf, right? You get out there. I'm going to be honest. I'm so competitive. When I first started golfing, I used to get so mad. I mean, I was like, this is the worst sport in the history of mankind. I would get so mad at golf. I'd be like, I'm so bad at it. Until one day, like, and this, I'm going to be super, this is a real conversation I have with God. I could tell you what hole it was. I tell you what golf course it was, right? And I was, I was, I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm just so frustrated, and I'm like, why can't you help me hit this ball straight? You know, and God was like, 
you didn't even warm up before this round. You don't practice. You just expect to be a good golfer because you're a pastor? I was like, come on, man. I mean, like, God, I just want to hit the ball straight. I just, I don't want to hit it there. I don't want to hit it there. I definitely don't want to hit it there. I just want to hit it straight. God was like, you don't even practice, right? I, this was a long, this was at the Biltmore, right? And, and, and I was just so mad. <laughs> I was like, what? He was like, you don't even practice. How can you even be mad at me if you don't even practice, right? And I thought, wow, how interesting is that? Because it's a part of, of, of our lives. We get to this place where we have this expectation. And the effort, the effort that we put has to match on some level the expectation. Otherwise, we do just become frustrated, right? As believers, we become frustrated. If, you, if you're a musician, you're like, I just want to be get good at this. I want to become a good singer. Do you practice, right? Do you practice? Do you put the effort in? As Christians, do we put the effort in, right? I really, really want to grow closer to God. I really want more of God. I really want to have an effective intercessory prayer life. I really want to learn how to read the word. I want God to speak to me. I want God's word to mean something to me. I want these things. And I come to church and I hear somebody else talk about it and this sense of zealous, this jealousy inside of me. I want that. I want that. I want to be like that. I want to grow like that. I want to give like that. I want to be that kind of Christian. And yet the effort doesn't match the expectation. So what happens? We grow frustrated. We get frustrated. Like, God, I want more of you, right? And God's saying, that's awesome, you want more of you, but you've got to do something, right? You've got to do something. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. You've got to stretch, right? You've got to stretch. And if you don't stretch, that's, you're going to find yourself in trouble. So first thing is be obedient. Why aren't we obedient? There are two reasons that I can come up with in my own life as to why we're not obedient. I'll be ready for the first one. <sighs> because we're lazy. Right? I'm going to read to you Proverbs. In Proverbs 24, it says this in verse 31. And by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, right? This is a Proverbs. We went by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. And when I saw it, I reflected upon it. One of the pastors at the Missions Conference on Australia preached on this verse, and he said, he said and, the, and the field preached to me. Here's the translation he used. Instead of when I saw it, he said, the field preached to me. I looked, and I received its instruction. The field preached to me. I looked, and I received its instruction. Verse 33, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And then your poverty will come on you as a robber and your want like an armed man. But he said, he doesn't stretch out his hand. He folds his hand, right? The field, the life, you can pick any one of the areas. Now listen, the devil is going to make sure that you think about the areas you're not frustrated in. The devil's going to make sure right now you're not, you're not contemplating the areas of frustration. You're contemplating this. Why? Well, I, I love to pray. I, I love to worship. I love, the devil's going to make sure you're thinking about, it's like self-protection mode. i got to make myself feel good right now because that man just called me lazy, right? I'm going to focus on the areas in which I am stretching, but that's not, what you're, that's not the area you're frustrated in. 
the area you're frustrated in, the devil wants you not to think about the area you're frustrated in because in that area, it's overgrown with thistles. Its service is covered with metals. The stone wall is broken down. And the field preached to him and it said, hey, look, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and your poverty will come on you as a robber and your want like an armed man. In what areas? In my marriage, my poverty will come. I'll, be, I'll begin to lack in my marriage because I'm not stretching, right? I'm not reaching for her when I should be reaching for her. I'm not putting the effort in when I should be putting the effort in. I'm not speaking the way I should be speaking because I'm uncomfortable or vice versa. I'm, not, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm being sincere. In my marriage, in my life, in my finances, in my diet, what does it make a difference in the area in which you find yourself going? My expectation is leading me to frustration because I'm not putting the effort in. And I'm looking at this area of my life going, God, I want more of you. I want to see you do more in my life. I want to see the effects of your hands upon my life, in my home, in my heart, in my speech, in my thoughts. I want my eyes to be opened up so I can believe the very words you speak over me and over the world in which I live in. That's what I want. But I'm frustrated, God, because I'm not getting it. And this morning, I think the word of God is saying, stop. Think. Ask yourself. Are you stretching? And by stretching, I mean stretching. One of the things I learned as I got older, and I was terrible at stretching even as a child. I'm worse at it now. But what I've learned about stretching is this. If it don't hurt, it ain't stretching. That's all. If I could define it in any way, Reagan's like, just, I, you know, as I get older and more out of shape, Reagan's like, just do yoga with me. I'm like, yoga's worse. I would, I would rather the kids take me into the weight room, throw some weight on the rack than make me do yoga. Man, I start doing yoga seven minutes into it, sweat's just coming. I haven't even done anything. I'm like holding one pose, you know. My body starts shaking. <laughs> Put me in the weight room. Right? Why? Stretching's hurt. It hurts. And if it don't hurt, it ain't stretching. You can sit there and do the moves. Reagan is as flexible as she is. She goes to the doctor. She's got this issue. The doctor's like, well, maybe you should do more stretches. I'm like, I could bend her like a pretzel, and it won't hurt her. Figure out something else because she can stretch, right? I don't Actually, I don't think she can. I, I, I don't think there's anything that would hurt at that point, right? But the reality is, if it don't hurt, it's not stretching. And here he says to the man, stretch out your hand. I'm inclined to believe that it might have hurt a little. I'm inclined to believe that he was really, for at least the first half of that stretch, doing everything based upon the fact that Jesus said to do it, not based upon the fact that he was experiencing the miracle in the process. Like, oh my gosh, I can feel it. Right? And I only base that on my own experiences in which halfway through the miracles, when the devil wants you to quit. That's where the resistance gets the most. That's where you just look and you go, I don't want this anymore. I'm done. I'm quitting. Right, I'm giving up. And what does he say? Stretch, stretch. A little folding of your hands. Right? Your unwillingness to stretch. Your unwillingness to suffer just a little bit as God expands you. As God stretches you. Right? It's one of the reasons why I don't think we see the restoration in the areas of our lives. In our families. In our extended families. In our relationships. Maybe in our finances. Is because we are unwilling to stretch. And we're unwilling to stretch because we're lazy. Right? Now, when we look at that, we go, Here, this, is, this is it. Now, the second area, the first area, reason why I don't think we find restoration is because we're lazy. The second area is, is found in Exodus chapter 15. 
Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. Right? And then the next day, they went to Elam. When they got to Elam, they had 27 palms and springs of abundant sweet water. The second reason why I don't think we see restoration in our lives is because we settle. Because we settle. Maybe it's not laziness. Maybe it's settling. Here the Israelites just crossed the Red Sea. Now in this passage, it says here, they came to water and the waters they could not drink. They wandered in the wilderness for three days and found no water. It didn't say they had no water. Remember, the Israelites didn't jump up and take off. The Israelites had time to prepare. In fact, Pharaoh said you can go. And the Israelites began to prepare the exodus of leaving Egypt. And then Pharaoh wanted to change his mind. So to think that the Israelites were going to take off. Remember, in, in this it says that they told Pharaoh, let my people come out into the desert and worship me. Right? I, I want to say it's like 27 days. I could be wrong. But let my people come out into the desert and worship me. And the Bible says that so that he could see what was in their hearts. So that he could see what was in their hearts. 27. The Israelites had prepared to leave. Pharaoh changed his mind. That's why he was in pursuit. Pharaoh changed his mind. That's why they found themselves pinned against the Red Sea. This is, says three days into this. Now, if you think they had no water to drink, you have to believe that the Israelites packed, prepared, took their families to go into the desert to worship God for 27 days and didn't prepare enough water for at least three of them. That's not what it says. It simply says they found no water, right? And the trip to Mara from the Red Sea, something like 52 miles, 52 miles. In three days, they had traveled 52 miles. Elam was only eight miles further. Elam was eight miles further. In three days, they had traveled to Mara, the first bit of water they found, and the water was bitter, right? And they grumbled and they complained and they couldn't. It doesn't say that it was bitter and they didn't like the taste of it. They couldn't drink it, but they settled to stay there. They settled their camp. They stopped. Instead of going further, they stopped. They settled for what was right there, and then they cried out to God for God to do something with the waters, instead of realizing, had they just gone a little bit further, had they just gone another stretch, they would have come to Elam, where they would have found the shade of 27 palms and the springs of sweet water, had they just stretched a little bit more. When we come to realize this, we can look at these things. And realize that God is calling us to stretch. Why? The miracle is in the stretch. The miracle is in the stretch. The miracle is not in, 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 in Peter's walking on water. It's his willingness to walk on water. What was the stretch? Walking on water or getting out of the boat? Where's the stretch? Right? When, when, he came, when Jesus came to the, to the lepers and he says, listen, I want you. I want you to go. And what does he tell them to do? Go baptize themselves in the Jordan seven times, something like that, right? And the water was the filthiest of all the waters. Where's the faith? Where's the stretch? The stretch is believing that the man who just told me my healing, my restoration is going to come by dipping myself seven times in the dirtiest water in the area. How does that make any reasonable sense? 
How does that even work? You want me to go to this place and dip seven times and my healing will come? When? After the seventh time. Right? After the seventh time. Why? Because the stretch is there. I believe. I know, I know people believe in numbers, and I, I'm sure that there's great power in those things. I believe the, the numeration is just because God knows where's the stretch. Your mind starts going after the first one, nothing. Second one, nothing. Third one, the real battle begins about the fourth or fifth one in which you say to yourself, this is stupid. Right? If, you're, if you have ever had God call you to stretch, this conversation is similar to ones you've probably had multiple times. This is stupid. Why am I doing this? I've dipped four times. I know he told me to dip seven times. This is ridiculous. I'm starting to feel foolish. I'm starting to look foolish. I'm starting to think this isn't going to work. At least if I came up, shouldn't I see some form of healing? Shouldn't I begin to see the process that motivates me? The motivation is not supposed to be in the physical. It's supposed to be by his word. He said, go, and he went. Stretch out your hand, and he stretched out his hand. The, the, the miracle, the stretch is in our obedience to God's word rather than our obedience. To see, we're so given and blessed and, and prosperous that we, it's, it's what's around us that motivates us. It's what we see happening that, be, that keeps us going rather than just standing upon God's word and stretching. Rather than just going, I got nothing but what God said and that's enough. Right, I got nothing but what God said, and it's enough. And because he said it, I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do it because I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient. And then finally in Isaiah 54, and if the band could come back up. Isaiah 54, verse 2. It says, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not, lengthen your cords. Strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess the nations and resettle the desolate cities. Stretch the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not the length of your cords. and Strengthen your pegs. In this prophecy, he's prophesying to the women who are unmarried and un, they, they have the ability, they have not bear a child. Here's this prophecy saying to them, listen. So he's speaking to them. That what do they want? They want to bear fruit. They want to grow. They want to see. They want to be mothers. They want to fulfill their purpose, right? They said, this is my purpose, yet I'm barren. This is my purpose, yet the mother and women, look at their children. Look at what they have. Look at them living their purpose. I want a purpose. And he prophesies, and he says, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not the length of your cords. Strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. I want to focus first. He says, stretch out your curtains, your dwellings. Spare not the length of your cords. Strengthen your pegs. First, he's, he, he establishes something. What does he want you to do? Stretch. Stretch what? Stretch out the length of your tent. For what? They have no reason. They aren't. The doctor hasn't come and said, you're bearing, child. The doctor hasn't said, soon. They have no proof other than the fact that he's prophesying, hey, stretch out your tent. God is going to give you the cities. You are going, right? Lengthen your course, strengthen, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. Your descendants will possess the nations. Stretch it out. I want to point something out. One, they were not prepared. When they traveled, those tents are, they're tents. That's their tent. I don't know if you go camping. But if I came to you and said, make your tent bigger, you would look at me like I was nuts. I can't make my tent bigger. 
I'm not prepared for it. This is my tent. What does he Stretch out your tent. When God calls us to stretch, most of the time we aren't prepared to do the stretch. That's why it's a stretch. Right? That's why it's a stretch. And then not only are we not prepared, we won't be capable. We aren't capable. Now hear what I'm saying here because the stretch is miraculous. That man was not capable of stretching his hand. If he was, he would have done it before. God told him to do something he was not capable of doing. God told him to do something on his own. He could not do it. The only reason he was able to honor what God had told him to do is because God miraculously accomplished his own. Not only did he anoint his obedience, he accomplished the very thing he asked him to do because of his willingness to do it in spite of the fact that he was incapable of doing it. We can look at ourselves in all these areas of frustration and say, I'm incapable of being the man my wife needs me to be. Oh, that's only because you aren't willing to stretch according to God's word. I'm incapable of giving the way I feel like God's telling me to give. It's only because you are incapable of stretching. You won't, you won't stretch. You won't suffer through the pain. You won't sweat a little. You won't groan a little. You won't allow your heart rate to get up and do the stretch. God's saying, look, I need you to be patient with your children. I'm incapable of being patient. I need you to be encouraging. I'm not an encourager. I need you to do. I need you to speak. I need you to be bold. I need you to pray. I need you to read the word. And then every time God says stretch, you say, I don't think I can. I'm not built like that. I'm not built like that. God's saying, I know you're not built like that. That's why I'm telling you to do it. I'm telling you to do it because the miracle is in the fact that you are doing it even though you're not capable of doing it. The miracle is in the fact that you are more confident in my word than you are in your own ability. And because of that, I will miraculously inhabit what you do. Your obedience, your obedience, I will miraculously inhabit your obedience. And all of a sudden, you will see restoration to the areas that have been crippled, that have been deformed, that you have thought, this will be my life. People will see me and they'll see my deformity. People will see me and they'll see my past. People see me and they'll see my failure. People will see me and I, that's just the way it is, God. I can't do it. And he's saying, listen to me. If, it was, if you were capable of doing it, it wouldn't be a miracle. If you were capable of doing it, it wouldn't be a miracle. I'm telling you, do it. If you will just do it because I'm telling you. Stretch. Stretch. Will it hurt? Yes, stretch. Stretch out your tents. And then the second thing I want to say about this verse, because I believe this is prophetic for us as a church. It says, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings and lengthen your cords. Strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your descendants will possess the nations and will resettle the desolate cities. I believe God is calling us as a church to begin to shake off the temporal thinking of modern Christianity. Cling to the eternal word of God and say, God, when you call me to stretch, I will stretch and when I do, I will teach my children how to stretch. I will teach my children about the unbelievable, the unbelievable power of a living God. One who honors his word. One who loves his children. One who inhabits their praises. And our children will resettle the desolate cities. Our children will recapture what has been taken by the enemy. Our children will restore to this place, to this country, a love and a fear of God in a way we have not known. Because we have stopped thinking that 
Faith requires work. We had stopped thinking with it. No, I just prayed and it'll happen. Yes, you'll pray and God will speak. And it'll happen when you obey what he says. When he says, go home and apologize. When he says, go back and say you're sorry. When he says, give. When he says, pray. When he says, shut your mouth, man. I, I don't know what he's, he tells me to apologize a lot. And he tells me to shut up a lot. Maybe some of you, he tells you to speak up. Don't be like, oh, I have no problem shutting. That's why I said the devil will make sure you focus on what you do well. I could sit here and go, oh, wow. I could preach to you all day about being bold and courageous. I love to talk. You know where the battle for me is, is when God says, stop talking. But God, let me stop talking. Just trust that you're going to say something. Yeah, stretch, because that's not comfortable to me. And then I just want to finish. We want more of God. More of God. God, fill me. More of God. More of God. If you don't stretch, it limits how much you can fill this balloon. Stretch this balloon. It's interesting, right? It's one of the first things you teach your children. Their three-year-old birthday, they want to help decorate. Stretch that balloon. Why am I stretching this balloon? The more you stretch it, the bigger it gets. If you don't stretch it, it won't get so big. And if you try to force it to be bigger, it'll burst. God says stretch. In 2018, I believe God's calling us as a church to stretch. He's calling us to widen. Not to wait until we have a reason. Not to wait until we look and go, well, I'll stretch when, when I'm with child. I'll, I'll, I'll spread out my tent when I have an excuse to spread out my tent. Not just because you're saying stretch. God is calling you to stretch. He's calling you to do something that's uncomfortable, and you don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable, because you've never done it before. It may be simply learning how to worship this year, how to close your eyes. I don't know if you ever remember the first time. I remember the first time I closed my eyes in worship and how uncomfortable it was. But I'm going to tell you something. I also remember what a release, a stretch it was at 18 years of age. I learned how to shut the world out and sing not to you, but to him. And what it did for me as I learned the process of learning how to stretch, to stretch, to stretch. Because God, when God speaks the miracles, when we obey. And if I can be honest enough with myself and say, what happens? Sometimes I get lazy. And God says, stretch. And I, yeah, I'm a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of my hands. I don't want to stretch, God. I don't want to stretch. But every week I come and I go, God, but I want more of you. I want more of you. And God says, I can only give as much of me to you as you make room for. And if you don't stretch, there ain't much room. There ain't much room. In fact, if you don't stretch, there's a, I've already filled you. Stretch. 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 Because it's in the stretching that God is going to teach our children one of the most powerful things, which is that God honors his word. When our kids learn that he honors his word, that we don't have to be this emotionally driven. We don't need God to make us feel it first before we do it. We don't need to make God explain it first before we believe it. Now, I may be talking to the choir right now, but I'm telling you as a man who preaches and spends most of his time with this upcoming generation, those are two ideas that they hold firmly to like gravity. If God wants me to do it, he'll give me the desire to do it doesn't want me to do it, 
but we hate the desire to do it. Hey, that to them is like gravity. That's law. Right? And that's the devil's playground. You know what else they think? I'll believe it when he explains it. I'll believe it when he explains it. This, this teaching this morning reminds us that the word of God says we believe it because he said it. We do it because he asks and commands it. And when we obey his word, not even the cost, not even the task, not even the outcome. We don't do it because we believe the cause. We don't do it because we believe the task. And we don't do it because we believe in the outcome. We do it because he said it. And when we do it because he said it, he miraculously restores it. So the areas of our life in which we're hurting, the areas in our life in which we're frustrated, the areas in our life in which we are discouraged, the areas in which in our life in which we are ready to settle, in which we're ready to say, this may be bitter, but it's water. Let's just pitch our tent right here and decide this is where we're going to live. And God's saying just a little bit further. If you would just stretch, if you would just keep going, you will find yourself 27 palms and springs so sweet. But it's in the stretch. God empowers us to do what he asks of us. Are we willing to be obedient? Are we willing to to stretch our world your world and the world will be affected by the followers of Jesus Christ who are not limited by their limitations but empowered by God's word empowered by it God you call me to do it I can do it you call me to see it I want to see it you call me to speak it I'll speak it you're calling me God to forgive and I'll forgive. You call me to love again and I didn't think I could with God. You can restore it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm just going to ask this morning if you need that encouragement before I ask the guys to come forward to take the missions offering ask the worship team just to to sing a song in just a second. But I'm going to ask you, if you're hearing it this morning, I want to stretch. I need to stretch. I need to stop worrying about how it feels. I just need to learn to stretch again. If there's an area in your life in which you feel like God has spoken, and you have resisted. Maybe you've settled. Maybe you're fearful. But this morning in his presence, you feel oddly encouraged. Your faith is stirred. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here this morning and you say, I'm ready to stretch. I'm ready to start making the preparations for whatever it is that God has in store for me. To enlarge my tent. grow. That's you this morning. Would you stretch out your hand and just raise it. Just raise it. Just raise it up. Say, God, that's me. Yes, it's me. Yeah. Can everybody stand up this morning? Heavenly Father, God, as we just sing this song, as we, as we, we sing this song this morning, God, as we allow the worship team to minister God with outstretched arms 
Now I think of Peter. And as he got so overwhelmed and discouraged by the waves and the wind, he took his eyes off you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, the circumstances and the troubles and the worry of the world seemed so real that he began to sink. And the Bible says that Jesus stretched out his hand towards Peter. And Peter stretched out and took it. And this morning, we might feel a little bit more like that, God, than we want to admit. But this morning, you're reaching. And we're reaching back. We're stretching, God. Because, God, even though we don't know how and we don't know when, we know you. We know that you are faithful. And we know, Lord Jesus, that you never break a promise, that you accomplish the very thing that you said you would accomplish, that you never forsake us or abandon us, that you will never let us down, God. You will never let us down, Lord Jesus. And for that, we reach. We stretch, God. And we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would invigorate our souls, that you would lift our eyes, that you would wipe our tears, that you would change our countenance, God, because we are victorious. We are more than conquerors, even when we do not feel like we are more than conquerors. We are still more than conquerors, even when we don't feel like children of God. We are still children of God, even though we don't feel like we've done well when we start sinking in our own circumstances. God, you reach down and rescue us. This morning, God, we reach back, Father God. Stretch us today. Stretch us today, God. Put before us clearly, God, that which it is you are calling us to do. Stretch us today. Allow us, Father. Allow us, Father, to be living examples. To be living examples, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's sing this song once and then we'll finish with the offering.
Senhor. God, we just ask. We ask you, God, to have your way in us. God, knowing, Father, like a puzzle piece, we fit perfectly in you. And your purpose fits perfectly in us. So have your way in us. God, everything we're looking for can be found in you. Everything we're hoping for can be found in you. Allow us, God, to not just physically shake off but spiritually shake off the temporal things that have laid hold of our hearts because God we want more of you that's your spirit God mm. the victorious spirit of Jesus Christ within us the same one that raised him from the dead is alive in us God empowering us God to stretch stretch us God stretch us Lord Jesus speak. God, we will obey the mighty name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. Uh, they're going to keep playing. God is good. Uh, we're going to take the missions offering right now. They're going to pass it around. I just want to say, for those that are new or maybe missed the missions conference, on one Sunday a month, we update what we're doing worldwide. We take a missions offering. If you made a faith promise, this is the day that we collect that faith promise. If you if you filled out that credit, this is something I just learned, so I'm sharing it. If you filled out the automatic withdrawal of your faith promise, it comes out on Missions Sunday, or at least 
around this time frame unless you otherwise specify what day of the month you want it to. So if you didn't, if you didn't make a faith promise, that doesn't mean you can't give to missions on Mission Sunday. Um, but if you, if you want to learn more about the faith promise, come up. You can talk to me. You can talk to, to Vern. Uh, I would love to share with you what it is and, and how it works and all that other stuff. And if you made a faith promise, this was a question that came up. If you made a faith promise last year and didn't renew the new one, you, it will stop. You'll stop automatically withdrawing. That way it's one year at a time. All right. God bless you, church. Have an absolutely incredible week. Next week's an exciting weekend. If you want tickets to the play, get those tickets. It's kid-friendly. And also, if you know people that are golfers, please take the golf cards. We need more golfers. All right. Have a great week. God bless you, church.